And then as far as with the increasing revenues, I think a lot of attorneys don't pay attention to their marketing that well. They don't have a good handle on what clients are the most profitable clients and how they're getting those clients. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Be That Lawyer. I hope you're having a wonderful day. As the announcer mentioned, I am Steve Fretzen, the host of the show. And if you're a regular listener, my hope is that every single time you listen to the show, you've got a takeaway or two that you can use to be your best self, to be a better lawyer, to be that lawyer, quite frankly. And that means to be confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. Many people know that I'm a coach and a trainer for lawyers who are looking to grow their law practices, whether they're at a big firm or solo, doesn't really matter in any practice area. What people don't always know is that I'm running some very successful peer advisory mastermind type groups. I currently have five running And these are for people that are already doing really well at business development. So if you're listening to the show and you're like, you know, yeah, I'm getting some good ideas, but man, wouldn't it be cool to collaborate with other top attorneys from around the country in a non-competitive and private environment outside of your firm? Well, please email me and let me know, steve at fretson.com. And I will talk about getting you into one of our Rainmaker or business developer roundtables. And it's just another way to, to... continue to keep your foot on the pedal of how you're going to get your business to grow year after year. Accountability and and collaboration with top attorneys is a good way to do it. And that's all I'm going to say about that for now. I've got Brandy waiting in the wings. How you doing, Brandy? Good. How are you? Good. Good to see you. And Brandy was so kind to give the um, quote of the show. And that quote is, behind every good business is a great bookkeeper. You don't know who said that though, do you? You why don't no. you just take credit? Why don't you just take credit for it? <laughs> because it's everywhere on the internet. Like uh, you see it posted all the time. If I said I took credit for it, they everyone would know. I was You're gonna get some hate mail, possibly. <laughs> You're gonna get some hate mail, people. If you, yeah, yeah. If you <laughs> claim that you said it, exactly. All right. Well, the, obviously, you know that that is, I guess, a truth that you know if we don't have our books together and have our organization together, that's not a great way to run the ship, right? Right. Yeah. You can practice the law and be really great at that. But if you're not really good at keeping track of the the money, it can be your downfall. Yeah, it could be your downfall. And, you know, speaking of keeping track of how you run your business, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Legalese Marketing. We've got Practice Panther and we've got Money Penny all there to help you automate and take perfect care of how you're running the marketing side, the practice management side. And of course, how you're dealing with your phones and your computer with Money Penny. So, Brandy, give us a little bit. You're the founder of Legalese Bookkeeping, and give us a little background on on how you got started in the business. But don't give away your be that lawyer moment because I do want to ask you about that in a moment. Okay. Well, I started doing bookkeeping back in 2001 for my dad and his businesses. He's not an attorney, but he has a couple of different businesses, and. I worked for him forever and then decided that I wanted to start my own firm. And I did take a a class that was like, start a virtual bookkeeping business. And in it, they said you should niche and they gave some criteria on which you should 
look, think about it. Do you know people? Do you, the industry, do you have a story with them? And my husband was in a motorcycle accident years ago. And uh, he, the attorney that helped us with that was amazing and just really went above and beyond. And so I thought, wow, if I can help attorneys with their bookkeeping, then that frees up their time to go out and help a lot more people through some of the worst times in their life. And I thought that would be a really great niche to go with. And so we started six years ago and just have attorneys as our as our clients. Now I have about 120 solo practitioners and small law firms that we work with all over the United States, a team of five employees. And, and we're just uh, trying to help out as many people as we can. Yeah. And that's a good lead into your game-changing moment. And that's a new segment on the show for everybody listening. You know, everybody in their world has one or two or three maybe, you know, moments in their life where things just turn around for the better. And uh, whether you're living out of your car and you realize that's no good and came up with a way of getting out of there or whatever, everybody's got a different, you know, story. But what's your kind of game-changing moment there as it relates to your career? Yeah, so I've always wanted to travel the world. And years ago, my husband and I decided that the best way to do that would be to go by boat. and we thought we would do it on a sailboat. So we saved up money for like 10 years and quit our jobs and sold our cars and our house and moved on to a sailboat. And that's actually when I started Legalese Bookkeeping. I did it as a side hustle to just make a little couple extra bucks as we were sailing around the world. And it was really helpful for me because I'm kind of an anxious person and I get stressed out and overwhelmed. And I tried to start other businesses in the past, but I'd always freaked myself out. And after talking to like one potential client, decided that I would never be able to start a business. But when with this, starting it as a side hustle made it so that way there wasn't as much pressure on myself to make it hugely successful immediately mm -hmm. and just slowly grow it and not need to worry about taking on a ton of clients and just like I said, just going slowly with it, which really helped me because I was definitely not emotionally ready to just take a whole bunch of clients and, and get all the rejections you get when you first start a business. And, and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't able to do that, but. The, yeah. But you're, you, know, you were like, you were like in not a, I don't want to say a power position, but when you have money in the bank and you have time on your side and you can dip your toe in and see, you know, Hey, the water's warm not a terrible way. And I think a lot of lawyers that are looking to go solo or looking to go out on their own, right? They know they can bring some clients with, so they're not going to be starting from nothing. And right. they know that you can automate most things. You know, you can hire a bookkeeper like Brandy. Like there's all these things that make it an easier way to, to make a transition. And I think you found that in, uh, in that trip around the world. Yeah. We didn't make it quite around the world, but uh, the Caribbean. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, yeah. We made it to, uh, you know, the, the West side of Florida. <laughs> but you went around the Caribbean. That's pretty cool. Look, that's some beautiful, beautiful waters and beautiful land. Yeah. So, well, listen, let's get into the weeds then because your specialty is helping lawyers with their numbers. So let's, you know, I always, I'm not trying to be negative, but I love to start off with like, why are lawyers so bad with money, billing and books? Like what's, why is that group seemingly in more need of help than maybe other groups or, or are they not? Well, I think that they are in part because they took all of this school. They have all of this knowledge, but they never took a business class. Yeah, they don't. They don't teach how to do uh, bookkeeping in school for attorneys. But they do tell them that if they don't keep track of their trust account correctly or their IOLTA account correctly, they'll get disbarred. So they put this fear in them 
but they don't really teach them how to do it correctly. And also, I think that a lot of, or in my experience anyways, is a lot of attorneys are very creative people. They're not numbers people. They're more on the creative side. And so it's just not in their normal wheelhouse to pay attention to the numbers and, and understand them. Yeah. There's some CPAs that, that also get the JD and all that, but I think you're right. A lot of lawyers, you know, math wasn't their top subject. So, you know, creativity and problem solving and things like that, that, uh, you know, where you just got to use, you know, words and language and, and that type of thing is probably more up their alley. Right. Um, so the fact that it isn't taught at the law firm level, it's not taught in law school, et cetera. And that's one of the reasons, and especially people going out on their own, do many of them try to do the books themselves and then realize that's sort of a mistake? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, some people, they can actually do it and beat their head up against the wall and try to figure out QuickBooks and they, and they'll get it, but other people try to do it and they're just overwhelmed and can't even figure out how to do anything. And, and maybe they'll keep track of it in Excel at a, at a minimum, but even still, it's very hard for them. It's not something that they like doing. So then they put it off as well, which then compounds the problem because then they're, you know, they're having to think about what happened six months ago and try to figure out how to keep track of it all. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, we've talked about problems. Let's talk about solutions. So how can lawyers reduce AR overdue invoices and having all that money just kind of sitting out there? And I know that that's a big concern, especially with a possible recession. I'm, I used to I would say that I was confident there was going to be a recession. Now, you know, I'm less confident than I'm more confident. <laughs> just, I'm, like on a, I'm on a seesaw going up and down every day based on little things I hear from real estate people and other people in, you know, in different spaces. So what's a way that they can reduce AR? Well, first of all, is to collect the retainer up front. Get, their, get that old, old beautiful retainer. Yeah. Then you have that money sitting in the bank. You bill for it and you have to stay on top of your whip. So that way you make sure you're not reducing or going below your, your retainer. That would be the number one way. But then I have some attorneys who are like, no, this stuff's not going to work. That's not going to work for my firm or whatever. Yep. The type of law they practice, we have to bill after the fact. And then I'd say that the number one thing is to just consistently and timely send out your invoices. You would be surprised at how many people put invoices off for months before sending them out. When you're not sending out the invoices every month on time, like you said you were going to, the client thinks that it's not important to you. So they don't think that it's important for them to pay the money and yeah. they will wait months and months to pay you. And then the other thing is that you can do is get a, a some sort of payment method on file for that client. Yeah. So you have their credit card or their ACH information, you send out the invoice, then you charge that. So you're not, you're reducing your AR that way because you have the payment method already on file. Yeah. I mean, for me and, and for other lawyers, I mean, that's been sort of a game changer as it relates to our time because I've got, I mean, let's say 60 clients at any given time. And almost every single one of them is on ACH or credit card or something. And I'm getting the 3%, you know, upsell, whatever it is for if they want to use a credit card. So I'm not paying the fee is, you know, changing around. So I'm not, you know, having to take less as a fee because I'm paying credit card fees. So between those two, I'm not, you know, going to the bank. I'm not having to deposit checks all the time. I'm not dealing right. with that. And so, and people are open to it, right? I mean, it's not like people were used to be where, no, nah, I like to send a check. I mean, tell them, <laughs> tell them this is the way it is, right? Kind right. of make that, this is how we do things. In most cases, they'll go along. Yes, exactly. 
And I mean, me personally, I'd love to put everything on my credit card. And I understand that some people don't want to pay for the credit card processing fees, but please don't ask me to send you a check. Like that is never going to go in the mail. (laughs) Right, right. Like, oh yeah, I've got to fill out. I mean, there are people still, I think my wife still pays all of, and she doesn't, I pay most of, uh, I'm giving away secrets here about my family, (laughs) but I pay, I mean, she pays for like the things that she's involved in, but she's still writing checks for things. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why? ACH number two, like, aren't you just using online bill pay like every other person? But anyway, there are people that just, that I don't know. They like to write checks. I don't know. That's not, that's not for me. Yeah. Not for me either. Yeah. I'm with you. And the other thing lawyers may not realize is that if you're doing your own books, you should really track how much time it's taking you a month and then realize how that relates back to the billable hour. Because if you're, if you're spending, let's say 10 hours a month, and I don't know if that's a realistic number. I mean, is that Brandy, am I on target with that number? Or am I way off? I would say it depends on your law firm, but I would say probably between five and 10 hours a okay. month. You yeah. And you're billable at 400 an hour. I mean, you do the math on it and right. then you look at what does it cost for a bookkeeper or someone to handle it? I mean, like just to give an example, I'm paying, let's say 600 a month for my bookkeeper. I'm getting reports. I'm getting all the money in. I have no AR. Like all these things are happening. My taxes are set up. Like my accountant can charge less because everything is well-organized. Like there's all these benefits and my time in, in the lawyer's time is so valuable. I mean, it seems a little crazy to still be doing it yourself. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is when you do it yourself, you, I don't know how to say this, but like you're personally involved in every invoice. And yeah. so you sit there and you think about the client and you're like, oh, well, that guy, he was really nice. You know, maybe <laughs> I'll discount him a little bit or yeah. You start to get anxious, like, you know, that person doesn't have money, but you're still providing a service and, and you need to be paid for it. So, so then that both makes you discount your invoices and put off your doing your invoices. Whereas if you have a third party person doing it, they don't have any personal connection with that client. They're just sending out the invoice. It's not an emotional thing to send that out. Yeah. So you're taking, you're taking the personal and emotional taste of that client in that situation out of it, handing it over. Like, I love that about my bookkeeper that I just, you know, look, we've got to collect from someone that's, you know, hasn't, you know, the ACH didn't go through or whatever. And I don't have to get involved. Like I can just, just, I, she knows to be nice. She knows to say, it's probably not you. It's me. She's got all the techniques for being as soft as possible. So no one's getting mad at Steve. Okay. (laughs) And it comes back and I end up getting, you know, all the things that I need to get in if they're sitting out there that it gets in really good. So let's cut to the chase. What are the three best tips for lawyers to understand their numbers and make more money, reduce costs, make more money? Oh man. Okay. So the three best tips to reduce costs or make more money, I think is, uh, that you see, I mean, you're, you said you got a hundred plus so you're seeing their P&L, you're seeing, you know, a lot of the stuff that's going on. Where are you seeing, you know, room for improvement and, and making recommendations or, or just things you typically, you know, recommend? Yeah, well, one thing is that sometimes attorneys will pay for a very large, beautiful office and it's a very expensive rent payment and they don't necessarily need that. A lot of them can be working out of their home. And I work at a co-working spot and there's several attorneys that work at this co-working spot. So when they need to meet with an, a client, they have an office they can go into. They have somewhere they can go to. They don't have to pay all of that thousands of dollars a month in rent. Maybe if it's a larger law firm and then they do, but 
I don't really think that they do. And with COVID, we see like you can have Zoom calls, you can do all of this stuff and reduce your costs where you don't need all of that. And then as far as with the increasing revenues, I think a lot of attorneys don't pay attention to their marketing that well. They don't have a good handle on what clients are the most profitable clients and how they're getting those clients. So once you have your bookkeeping done correctly, you can see where you're getting clients from. And then you can make a determination like, oh, this one I spent 10 hours on, this one I spent two hours on, and I made the same amount of money. So I want more of these that I spend two hours on. How do I get more of those clients? And then the third way I think would be to free up your time by not doing your bookkeeping and hiring an outside bookkeeper. You don't need to be doing that and wasting your time and stressing about it, worrying about it at night. Like, is your IOLTA account up to date? Like, don't stress about it. Have somebody do it that's a professional at it and knows what they're doing. Yeah. As a listener of this podcast, I hope you've learned some valuable lessons when it comes to not just managing your firm, but helping it thrive. Practice Panther, the all-in-one legal practice management software is designed to help you do just that. It has powerful reporting that gives you real-time feedback on the health of your firm and its finances, automated workflows that free up your schedule while keeping your cases on track, and tons of native feature like e-signature and two-way texting that keeps your clients happy and informed. With Practice Panther, you don't have to do it all by yourself. Get a free demo at practicepanther.com slash be that lawyer to receive 10% off your first year. Legalese Marketing is not your traditional marketing vendor. Instead, we're a true fractional CMO that helps you save time and spend your money the right way to build the practice of your dreams. We help through the entire process, from customizing your intake system to driving leads and even getting more reviews afterwards. Schedule your free call at LegalEaseMarketing.com. Hey, Steph, tell everyone what Moneypenny does for law firms. We're the call handling and live chat experts. A Moneypenny receptionist can ensure that your calls are directed to the right person seamlessly, saving you time and money. Steve, did you know that 69% of people don't like to leave a voicemail? I did not know that. That's a lot of business going away right there. Let's cut to the chase. What are you prepared to do for my listeners? We're offering an exclusive two-week free trial. If you're interested in hearing more, you can call me directly on 470-534-8846 and mention that you've heard this ad on Steve's podcast. Very cool. Thanks. Well, let's go back and hit each of those one by one. So number one is, is I think if COVID has taught us anything, it's reduce cost, reduce overhead. So, you know, while there might be a big ego involved in having the most beautiful, most expensive space you know, look at that as it relates to your overhead compared to other things and how much you're making. And if you can make an extra hundred grand a year by having a space that maybe is co-shared or maybe that is maybe not as prestigious, but still gets the job done because most of your people are working from home. That's, that's kind of like, you can see that in the books that you're overspending on something that isn't as valuable as it was, you know, five years ago as it relates to space. Right. Okay. The second one was increased revenue and this is something that most that I do, my bookkeeper sends me a P&L, a balance sheet, all that stuff every single month. And mm-hmm. I just roll down it and I look at what my marketing is. I'm looking at my client breakdowns, how much is coming in this year, how much is going to leak into next year as it relates to AR. I'm looking at you know what everything is costing and what everything is generating. And I don't think lawyers are really looking at that data. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I don't think that they are. 
the larger firms I think do, but the okay. definitely solo practitioners and small law firms, they don't really look at it to see where they're getting them, getting the leads from yeah. and then seeing how much money they're actually making off of those leads. So let's say, for example, you're, you're doing some LinkedIn marketing and you're getting 10 clients from it and you're making a hundred thousand, but you're paying, you know, 5,000. Well, that's $95,000 in profit based on, you know, what you're investing and then what you're actually producing and making might want to double down on LinkedIn. You might want to consider, you know, that that type of marketing is really working for your business. Just in general, though, you know, you've got to look at the data and the saying people have heard me say for years is if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And I think mm-hmm. you're right on target with that, that we need to spend some time looking at, at the data. You mentioned one other point, though. It wasn't just about, it was about marketing. And then what, what was the other one that was about looking at the P&L? Well, and seeing where, like, how much expenses you have for it or which leads are you spending the most amount of time on? Right, right. Time. Right, right. And so there might be, there might be a targeted client that you want to replicate. That's what it was. And so, you know, you could, you know, just treat everyone equally and spend all your time equally. But if you can identify patterns through the numbers, you can decide to change up your marketing, change up, you know, the client profile, if you will, that's going to be more profitable. That's really brilliant. I love that. The last point you mentioned was, you know, just freeing up your time. And this has been a huge part of what I've been working on with clients. And and I'm sure you have too, is what can we do that is delegatable? And the lawyers are busy and they're, they're getting crushed with bill hours and all this other stuff. And they're, that's their biggest challenge, time management. How do I get, you know, to do more with less delegate? Exactly. Exactly. Your, their time is valuable. They're, they have so much knowledge inside their, their brains and they can get it out and help so many people. But you can't do that if you're sort of wasting your time doing these other tasks that someone else could do. In one of the classes that I've taken before, they're like, go down your task list, make a task list of every single thing that you do every single day, and then put a dollar sign next to it. If it's a low level dollar, like you could pay somebody 10, 15 bucks an hour to do, put a $1 by it. If it's a $10,000 task, put $3 signs. And then, you know, if it's kind of in the middle, put two. What tasks are you doing that are $1 sign? Get rid of those tasks. You don't need to be doing those. Somebody else can be doing them. You should only be doing the $1,000 an hour tasks, working on your business, working on the big clients and growing it. Yeah. A few weeks ago, I interviewed Davina Frederick, who, you know, works with lawyers women lawyers on, you know, building their law practices. And that was one of her key points was, you know, we just need to let go mm-hmm. and uh, delegate, delegate, delegate anything. And whether it's you're hard. at a big firm or whether you're a solo, I don't really care. You need to figure out all the things you're doing in a typical day and maybe even track your day or track a week and say, look, this is all the stuff I'm doing that must go to an associate, that must go to a paralegal, that must go yeah. to a bookkeeper, whatever it might be. Because it's that 10 or 20% of time that you get back that goes directly to your family, goes directly to your marketing and business development efforts and things that are going to ultimately make you happier as a lawyer running a practice. Yeah, but that's sort of easier said than done, right? It's kind <laughs> No, of you just snap your fingers. It's done. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, letting go of things is really hard, especially I think lawyers typically as a breed, you know, want it done right and they like it done their way. And so, you know, there might be some pain or some pain in changing to delegate to a bookkeeper, right? I mean, if all I've done is my numbers and I know them intimately and or whatever, I'm just the one doing it to say, hey, I'm going to trust someone and hand that off. Yeah. How do people, let's, that's a good question. How do people get over 
the idea that they have to trust you, that they have to trust that you're going to take care of them and their numbers? I think for some people, it's very gradual and can take several months for them to truly trust and let go. And so we have some clients who they basically do all of the work themselves still. And we just oversee them and we double check them and they ask us questions and things like that. But then what happens is they'll get behind on things and and then I'll start encouraging them like, hey, well, you know, we could take over doing this one little piece for you and let's just try doing this. And we do that and they see that we did it successful. There's no issues and we can keep doing it. And then, all right, well, what if we freed up some more of your time? What if we did this other piece and we can gradually kind of take pieces away from them? And that's worked well for some of our clients who are very not wanting to release the reins of their bookkeeping. How often are they asking you for, in speaking with your references, like people that are currently working with you to better understand your value or better understand that they can trust you? Is that happening all the time, rarely, middle of the road? I don't really get that many requests to talk to my references. I do have on my LinkedIn profile and on my Google search, whatever, I don't know what you call it, my Google Maps page, there's reviews on there from attorneys on there. And I guess not that I'm opposed to giving out my references, but I just know that all of my clients' time is so valuable that I kind of like really hate to ask them hey, can you spend five minutes to just talk to this person? Yeah. But I, I will do it if there's somebody that's coming on that's like, can I talk to your references? I'll be like, okay, fine. Let me go find three of them that will talk to you. I mean, so just as a thought, I mean, I, I have two options for people that are looking to work with me to better understand my value. More importantly, the ROI on investing in working with me. One of them is to audit my class. And obviously you don't have a class to people to audit, but I let people come in and be a fly on a wall and sit through a 90 minute class and meet my other clients and kind of hear from them what's going on. The one that's even more impactful is I do have a bunch of, you know, what I would call raving fans or clients that have just crushed it. And the last thing they say to me when we kind of wrap up is, hey, if anybody ever wants to talk to one of your clients about your services, about what we did together, how much how far I've come, you know, please don't be shy about giving them my information. I'd be happy to take 10 minutes. I don't know if you have clients like that, but think about how powerful that is with someone that's having a hard time letting go to yeah. say, hey, I've got a couple of clients that have made that kind of comment about, you know, being open to just share their experiences they've had with you. And that may be a way to help convert some of the people that are maybe the more challenged with you know, this decision, because it's, it is hard to let go, especially with something where there's books. And I, I mean, I had someone embezzle for me, like a bookkeeper, right. office manager embezzle for me. And she did a year at Cook County jail in uh, back, you know, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that. I learned a valuable lesson. She clearly learned a valuable lesson. Uh, <laughs> not, I don't know how good of a lesson. She put me down as a reference for a job once. And I was like, Oh no, you know, like, she tried to like what? sneak it. She tried to sneak it through the radar and, and uh, they called me up and I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm a good reference for her. You know, she stole from me. But uh, anyway, I think ultimately, you know, the more that they can get a feeling and a flavor for what it's like to work with you before they make that decision or to help them make that decision, I don't know, that might be something there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a really good idea. And I don't know. I don't know why I am so fearful of asking people. It's sort of like I'm afraid that they're going to tell me that they, I don't know. I guess I think that I'm afraid that they're going to tell me that they don't like me or whatever. Well, but you said you've got all these reviews. So leverage the people that have said nice things. And again, you're saving them money, saving them time, saving the day, collecting money. 
whatever it is, like they care about you and like you and appreciate you. Those are the ones you just have to say, you know, look, I appreciate all the kind words and everything. I just wonder if I ever had someone who's on the fence about working with me and giving up, you know, their books to me, would you be ever be able to open to speaking with them about what I've done for you and kind of sharing your personal story? Would you be, oh my God, Brandy, yes. Anyone that you want to talk to me and don't send them, you know, 10 people a day, but if it's right. a couple of months, they might be very open to that. So I'm just putting yeah. it out there. That's a another well, way really to kind love, of lock things up. Yeah. And I love the way that you phrased that. That was very good. I'm going to have to go back and listen. <laughs> While we're recording this. So you'll have to wait a few weeks <laughs> and then you can listen. But let me ask you this, kind of in, in wrapping things up, someone is coming to you and you're sort of evaluating their situation and they hire you and then things turn around. You have a, like kind of a, not a rags to riches story, but like an example of, of that where someone came to you and things were really messed up and they didn't even realize how badly, and then you kind of turned it around. Yeah. I mean, just in the last week, I had someone come to me who they got where they accidentally took money out of the wrong bank account to pay for an item and it made their IOLTA account go negative. And in most mm. states, that's an automatic bar audit, or at least yeah. it's an automatic notice to the bar association. And they did get a bar audit and their books are a disaster and they need to get it cleaned up. And I, they had one week to do it. So today was my deadline to get them their books cleaned up. And at least in regards to their IELTS account, and we were able to get them where we know how much each person has in their IOLTA account and able to get for the Bar Association the paperwork that they need in order to perform the audit that they're going to do on the books. And and that feels so good to be able to help this person out. You know, they made a mistake and they shouldn't have done it, but they did make a mistake. Sounds like a built-in, built-in LinkedIn recommendation or Google recommendation. (laughs) And now you've got someone to validate that. You got them out of a tough, a tough bind and now they're in a better place. So yeah, Brandy, thank you so much. Let's move to game-changing books. And you've got one that I've actually read. I don't read a ton of self-help books. I'd rather listen to podcasts and I take in content other way in other ways, but this is one that was recommended to me and I really enjoyed it. The Gap in the Game by Dan Sullivan. So talk briefly about that. Why is that your game-changing book? You know, it talks about how there's two different ways that you can sort of think about your life and you can think about all the ways that you're not good enough and how you could have done something better. And that's sort of the gap. Or you can think about how far you've come along and how much further that you are and think about it in a positive light. And that's the gain. And I'm pretty, I would say I'm pretty negative on myself. You know, like I'm always thinking, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm disappointing everyone and blah, blah, blah. Like I have all these thoughts, which I think both makes me really good at my job because I'm always trying to make sure that I'm great. Yeah. Um, But then also that's not really a good way to live your life. And so it's thinking about where I am now compared to where I was six years ago when I started my business. My confidence level is so much higher, but like I also know so much more and I've helped so many people and I have to think those things as opposed to being like, oh, I'm still not as good as this other person. Or, yeah, oh, compare, comparing I, to others, right? I mean, that's a, you know, breaks your soul <laughs> when yeah, you start doing yeah. that. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm ahead of people and I'm behind people, but you know what? I'm just going to be me. And I right. think the gap in the gain from my perspective was right on with what you said. It's, you know, all we can do is focus on the gaps and focus on the negatives and focus on those things and bring ourselves down. Or we can realize, look, we've actually accomplished a lot. 
And we need to focus on that and where we're headed in the future. And that's going to keep us in a more positive place. So really good recommendation. It's a quick read, The Gap in the Gain. So Brandon, if people want to reach out to you, Legalese Bookkeeper, and, and check out what you do, and maybe even you know have a consultation with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Well, they can email me at brandy with a Y at legalease, E-A-S-E, bookkeeping.com. They can check out my website, legalesebookkeeping.com, or they can give us a call at 469-751-2150. Yeah. We'll throw that all in the show notes too. So you guys can just look at the bottom of your Apple phone or whatever and see what Brandy's got going on or go to my website, fretson.com. And of course, we've got a podcast page with all that content there if you're interested. Thank you so much for you know coming on the show, sharing your wisdom, helping lawyers get their mind straight about their money, and most importantly, about the importance of delegating and outsourcing this type of thing, because it really is, and I hate to say this below their pay grade, but you know, look, they're charging four to 600 an hour or more or less to spend 10 hours a you know, month bookkeeping probably you know, isn't the best use of anyone's time. Right. Um, so, so just really terrific. Keep doing what you're doing. All right. Thank you. Okay. And thank you everybody for spending some time with Brandy and I today. Hopefully you got a couple of good ideas and takeaways. And again, if you're doing some of the things that you shouldn't be doing, and that could be your, maybe it's your own marketing, your own bookkeeping, your own IT, whatever it is, consider, you know, how much time you're spending on that and how much more time you could spend either billing hours, putting into BD, or quite frankly, you know, spending time with your kids, spending time with your wife, you know, and having some good times, a very important stuff. So be that lawyer, everybody, confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. We'll talk again real soon. Be well. Thanks for listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com, for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.